Hello, Woodland Hills. Can I get a hello, Woodland Hills? Hey, I know it's a lot of you out there. It's good to hear you. It's good to see you. It's good to be up here. I'm excited to be before you in this opportunity to share a message. And um, my name's Cedric Baker. I'm one of the volunteers here. Um, I want to start off by just thanking Greg, uh, Paul, and others, the team, for this opportunity to get up and share what's on my heart about the Lord's Prayer. However, before we do, um, if you've been watching the news and you've been having your ear to the ground, there's a lot going on in Twin Cities right now. And I want us as a body of believers um, to just really come together and pray. Uh, First, we had a school shooting here in the Twin Cities, and um, we actually had one of the students die based on that that shooting. And... um, just devastating to that school community, but also uh, those parents, I can't even imagine. In addition to that, we've had um, a police shooting uh, in Minneapolis, and as you probably are aware, it is definitely gaining some um, national recognition uh, recognition and traction. Um, A young man in his 20s named Amir Locke, um, a lot of things that are coming out about the situation, and We have kind of been here before, and my prayer and our prayer, I ask that you join in with me, is that God's light actually shines now in the middle of what's going on. I think it is easy to start the partisan choosing sides, who did what, who didn't do something, and based on the authorities, that is going to have its day. But... We as kingdom believers, we believe that God is able to bring good out of darkness. And so with that, we also believe, and we're in a series called prayer, and I want us to be able to come together and just pray for the community um, with the school shooting, but also the community in Minneapolis, that God's light shines into these terrible situations. So pray with me. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come before you as a group of people that are committed to seeing your kingdom done here on earth. We lift up um, this very difficult time that we're in here in the Twin Cities. We pray for the school in Richfield that experienced the school shooting. We pray, God, for that school community those teachers, those students. I pray, God, for the parents of the students that were either murdered or hurt. Father, I can't, we can't, many of us can't imagine what they are going through, but you know and you understand. And even in the middle of this dark time with that community, we believe that your light can shine like never before. We pray, Father God, for your healing hand and for your grace to be upon that community. All those were involved. We pray, God, for your guidance. We pray, God, for your love. We also pray, God, for uh, the family of Amir Locke. We pray, God, for those that are in authority that are going to be making decisions. And we just pray, God, that you lead and that you guide them and ultimately, out of a bad situation, we pray again that your light cuts through the darkness. 
And we pray, we ask for your love to shine like never before. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So thank you for doing that with me. I truly believe that the power of prayer allows us to engage God in a very unique and special way. And that prayer changes things. That prayer, our prayer changes things. So we're currently um, in a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. If you have been here any length of time, we've probably been in this series for over a year, if I'm not mistaken. But it's been so fruitful and so many gems. Um, I have said to a few people that the Sermon on the Mount actually has challenged me as a believer in so many ways about how I look at my relationship with God, but also how I treat you as a fellow believer and those that are around me in my everyday life. And so that is really the main reason for the Sermon on the Mount, is to really challenge us to think about our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. A kingdom perspective and approach to um, us walking out what Jesus is saying, his continuous uh, teaching in Matthew. However, we've really been camping out, and I'm so glad we have, around prayer. The importance of prayer, um, why we need to do it, the impact of prayer, and the different types of prayer. Ultimately, why prayer is so important. And so with that, we are going to stay there a little bit longer today, and I'm really going to try to focus on one verse, but before I get that, I want to show you a picture. This is my family. Um, my wife, Rachel, and my now 17-month-year-old Christian. And um, love them. He's so cute. <laughs> I love them. Um, so I bring this up because when Rachel and I, uh, when well, actually Rachel was pregnant, but I say we were pregnant, you know how that goes. <laughs> so when, when Rachel and I were pregnant, when Rachel was pregnant, um, we were in the process of learning as much as we possibly could about parenting. First time parents, never done it before. Um, we're looking and listening to um, um, our parents, our friends, our family. Um, what did you do? How did it work? Um, will we get any sleep? Like those types of questions. And so we were so excited, but yet we still were very nervous at the time. And so one of the things that both Rachel and I really leaned into, we were reading, researching, going to classes, and they told us something called uh, baby sign language. Have you all, who's heard of baby sign language? Some of you probably have taught your children baby sign language. And so, you know, I was like, no, I don't know how this is going to go. But we said, yeah, we like the idea of being able to communicate, Christian communicating with us, um, even if he can't yet speak or say a word. And so we started that process. Rachel really was the main person that was really teaching Christian new things. And in the beginning, I'm like, the research says that he's learning and he's hearing us, but he's not doing anything. <laughs> you know, we would say different things um, such as all done. Um, what is another one, Rachel? Oh, more. Uh, more, he loves more. Um, uh, milk, milk, um, thank you. He definitely says thank you. And so we continue the process of teaching him and you all, I can't, oh. The day he signed back to us, 
I could have melted. It was awesome. And he told us more. And I'm like, oh, okay, you, you want more of something? Instead of, ah, you know, it was actually more or actually communicating with us. And it was such an amazing, as a father, it felt so good to understand my child's need and respond to his need because he asked me. Instead of me trying to guess, but he, in his way, was communicating. And as I've been thinking about prayer, that image of Rachel and I communicating with Christian in sign language actually makes me think of God and how he wants to communicate with us. Ultimately, God, yes, he knows our needs, he understands, but in, these, in, prayer, in the Our Father's Prayer, he's asking us to come along and communicate, talk to him and ask him. And me being a father, I know it was amazing to have my son tell me what he needed and for me to respond to that need. How much more is it for our heavenly father who wants to talk to us, he wants to communicate with us, for us to have a conversation with him, for us to commune with him, and then for him to meet that need. So prayer does so many things, but ultimately it allows us space and time to communicate with God. So today I really wanna only focus on one verse of scripture, and it's Matthew 6 and 11. It says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. So in the Our Father's Prayer and in scripture, we have so many opportunities to focus different areas of our time in certain area and elements of prayer. We can spend our time in worship with our prayers. We can spend our times with consecration in our prayers thanksgiving, appreciating all the things that God has done for us in our prayers, confessing our faults, our issues, our sins. The Bible says that that is also appropriate for prayer. But today, we really want to be able to focus on a certain aspect of prayer, and that is petition, petitioning God, asking for God to meet our needs, our daily bread. Now, to truly understand Matthew 6 and 11, we have to actually understand the historical context of that day. There were so many people during that time. This is, of course, the Roman Empire, but there was no middle class. Ultimately, there were two sets of people. You were rich or you were poor. And when I say you were poor, you were poor. It was a peasant society, an agrarian or agricultural society. Ultimately, there was only a small amount of people that were even literate during this time. I want you to think about that. Can't read, cannot understand the way that we just process things in our current society. Some scholars estimate that we are talking about 10% of the population or less than 10% of the population with the economic resources to have any type of surplus any type of margin, any type of extra in their budget, in their way that they live their lives. This is the type of society that we're talking about. Now, let's compare that to our current society. I was doing some research and here are some stats from the end of 2020 about the US households. 
it said on the Federal Reserve site that there was $123 trillion of wealth in U.S. households at the end of 2020. Now, let's try to break that down. The top 1% of Americans had almost $39 trillion in wealth. That's a lot. <laughs> now, comparatively, the bottom 50% had about $2 trillion of the wealth. 50% had $2 trillion worth of the wealth. The difference between our time and that time is this middle section, which is what we would call the middle class. And the site says, the Federal Reserve says, there, there were about $82 trillion in this middle portion that we would call the middle class. And that's big, I want you to remember that. It's an estimated 80 billion pounds of food that was thrown away in 2020 by us. That equates to about $1,600 worth of produce per household, okay, per year. Now, I want to say that I understand and I completely agree that there is major inequity within our current society. That there are people that we know that live amongst us that are trying to make in the ends to meet. They need food, they need shelter. And so I am not saying that this is now a utopian view currently of our society. What I am trying to highlight is that this middle class that we're talking about did not exist during Jesus's time. And what I'm also wanting to highlight is that we currently now have safety nets that they did not have during that time. So when you were poor, and if you were poor, you really could not depend on much. That's why it was so important for you to ensure that you had what you needed to live your life. What's also important to know, and this is just some additional historical context, ancient laborers during this time generally paid, am I still on? All right, is that a sign? Um, ancient laborers generally paid um, their, their staff daily. So they received their pay daily. They often earned just enough to cover their daily expenses. And these workers would be in danger of not being able to cover basic survival for the next day. Now, I say that because I believe that that is extremely important for us to understand this verse of scripture. A lot of times, we specifically in the West, we um, think about our current experiences and then we think that is what was happening during Jesus's time. And I wanted us to just make sure that we have that perspective. Now, let's get into Matthew 6 and 11. The Greek phrase for daily, and we're gonna say a little Greek, this morning, uh, kata, actually, let's all say it together. Repeat after me, kata, <laughs> nice. Or hermera, hermera. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah. Testing one, two, can you hear me? 
Okay. All right. Let's do it again. Kata. Kata. Nice. Or Hermera. Hermera. Let's do it one more time. <laughs> Can you hear me? All right. We got power. Kata or Hermera um, are the Greek words for daily. However, they were not used in Matthew 6, 11. Uh, this word is generally refers to as a day or a period of time. Rather, the Greek phrase, espousia, let's say that together, espousia, nice, is used and that word actually is rarely used. And so the root word for espousia is actually epimi. And epimi means to come after, to follow, Thus, a literal translation of expusia would probably mean, give us today the bread that comes later, or tomorrow's bread. No problem. Can you give us just one moment? I think I probably should just do a little dance or something like that. Can you all hear me? Okay, let me just keep going. All right. Okay. All right. Hey, it happened. Yep. Oh, no problem. Thank you for bearing with All right, mic check. Whoa. So let me just say something. <laughs> um, I really appreciate him because um, during these times when you're experiencing technical difficulty, everybody's thinking about what's going on, <laughs> what's going on, but I appreciate just kind of the calm manner because we don't need craziness in the middle of trying to figure out what's going on. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, so we said a little Greek. So ultimately, um, <laughs> epimi uh, means to come after, to follow. Thus, a literal translation in expusia would probably say, give us today the bread that comes later or tomorrow's bread, all right? which is a little different. Like, that's not what I think about when I hear this scripture. So there are debates among scholars currently right now about how to best interpret the word in reference to the Lord's Prayer. So group one is thinking more of it in a literal translation as daily bread and understood it to be a petition for daily substance. I need food to live. I need bread to survive. 
I need those types of needs met. That is what this means. However, group two has a little bit of a different interpretation, that the entire prayer is an eschatological framework. And eschatology is the study of last things, the end times, heaven, or the uh, coming kingdom of God. And so it should be understood as such, meaning more in line with the coming kingdom of God, the future bread or manna as we all know it to be. Future provisions and blessings of the kingdom of God, let that be available for us here and now. And that's a little bit more of a spiritual aspect of it. So you have two camps. One that is in a literal translation of bread, food, I need it to be sustained. And another one is a little bit more of a spiritual aspect of it. Now, even though they're wrestling and fighting about what is right and what is not, I personally believe that both can be true at the same time. My question for Mark 11, uh, excuse me, Matthew 11, is what point is Jesus really trying to make in this scripture? And what is he asking me to do? What is he asking us to do? And to answer that, I think that we may need to reorient our perspective to truly benefit from the passage. How do I, how do you authentically depend on God and follow this verse when many people and many of us have enough, we have more than enough than what we need? How do we follow this out? How do we ask God for daily bread when if I probably would go to your house, you have enough for today and tomorrow and even next week? How do we live this out? This is what Martin Luther says. He is, of course, many of you know a theologian, and he was key to the Protestant Reformation. He says, for when you mention and pray for daily bread, you pray for everything that is necessary in order to have and enjoy daily bread. And on the other hand, against everything which interferes with it. Therefore, you must open wide and extend your thoughts to only not to only the oven where you make it or the flour bin, but to the distant field and the entire land, which bears and brings to us daily bread and every short sort of sustenance. For if God did not cause it to grow and bless and preserve it in the field, we could never take bread from the oven or have any to set upon the table. What Martin Luther is saying here is, I need you to not think as literally during this time and expand your thinking to understand that things are happening just before, things are happening before you actually receive something to eat. Would you agree with that? And that is why he said it. And I think that is what he's trying for us, he's really asking us to do is think more broadly about what's going on. My family, Rachel and I, are not in need of bread. Currently not at the moment. We're doing okay, all right? We're not in need of it. We have clothing, we have food, we have shelter. We have made some financial choices that have allowed us to have runway, so we don't necessarily need to think about food each day. The only thing that we're thinking about, and I'm grateful for it, but the only thing that we're thinking about in food is what type 
of food we are planning to have, not if we are going to have food. And so how can Rachel and I, you that, that resonates with you, how can you actually go ahead and live this out? So I wanna make two important points. First, I am alive and healthy, and I must remember that this life is a gift. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He does not change. He has provided us with gifts. Our life is a gift, which we did not work for. A gift is something that you did not work for. My responsibility is to trust God for the fullness of life that I experience today. So my health is a gift. My opportunity to work on a job is a gift. The network of connections that I have in my community are gifts. Support from my community and friends and family are gifts. The ability to navigate certain systems in our society are gifts. Your education is a gift. Your family and their means and their ability and wanting to help you thrive and achieve and succeed in this world, all of that, all of those things are gifts. For us, this is important for us to remember because this helps us stay submitted and receptive in a posture in our prayer. You did not create the blessings that you receive. The Bible says that all those gifts, all of those blessings that you receive didn't come because you were so good or I'm so smart. It came because God is so gracious to us. He is so loving to us. He is so kind to us. And he wants to bless us as his children. Secondly, God is also interested in my spiritual well-being. As I live out my life, he wants to provide me with spiritual nourishment. I call it manna. In 1 Corinthians 10, 3, and I won't read it this morning, Paul references to the time when the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 days. How many remember that and read the, remember reading that story? Remember that they were going on and on and on in the wilderness, but during that time, um, they were asking God for food and help and support. And during that time, God provided something called manna. But Paul puts a little bit of a spin on it. God provided them with spiritual food, Paul said, something that wasn't provided naturally. A spiritual rock, who was Christ. We constantly say here at Woodland Hills that we must get our entire life from Christ. We must get our entire life from Christ. He needs to be the source of our sustenance. Not what the world is saying, not what others think about me, but Christ. And so with that, I want to have, I want us to think about a few takeaways. To really live out this verse of scripture in our life. Number one, first, our loving father is teaching us how to communicate with him. 
His goal, remember, is to talk and to communicate with us. He genuinely wants to fellowship with us, spend time with us, connect with us. Remember when I was saying when uh, Rachel and I were teaching a Christian baby sign language? A part of it was just being able to have a conversation or connection, even if it was signing what he wanted, what he thought, how he was feeling. That is what God wants with us. It's not in just that he's asking you to do, but a part of it is he's asking you to be. He's asking you to be in fellowship with him and communicating with him. He genuinely design, desires to do that. Now, I also believe that during this time, it allows us to be a part of the solution. So let's think about this in our everyday life. We can pray for bread. But nine times out of 10, you won't have bread falling out the sky onto your front doorstep and then you say, thank you, God. There are some other things that end up happening. And with our time in prayer, God allows us to use our say-so. He allows us to be a part of the solution. So if you are praying for bread, maybe God's solution is allowing you to have some job opportunities for the finances to get the bread. You understand where I'm coming from with this? He genuinely wants us to be a part of the solution. You can pray for maybe you have a friend or a family member or yourself to be free from an addiction. Maybe it's alcoholism or drug addiction. The solution may look a little different than just you, the, the addiction going away just like that. Maybe the solution is you walking alongside that person that is experiencing that addiction on their journey to recovery. Maybe the solution is God giving you the strength to say yes to going into rehab to kick the addiction. What I'm trying to say in this is God wants us to be a part. He allows us, we get to be a part of the solution in him meeting our needs. Ultimately, for many of us that have the means in our house, we don't think about food to the degree that others do. We're okay with shelter. Our families are doing okay. He wants to meet our needs, but we have to reorient ourselves on how we live out this scripture. And a part of that is us remembering that we can be a part of the solution to our needs being met. Second, we must pray against the tendency to be self-reliant. And so I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you right now. Um, I actually have a love-hate relationship with this scripture. Um, when I was praying and I, I felt like the Lord was like, you need to talk about this scripture. Because I say that because I'm still in the process of learning as well. I like margin in my finances, in my time. I like extra. I grew up where I don't wanna be in a situation where my family doesn't have and I can't provide for my family. So I, the Lord has been working with me in this to say that yes, that's admirable, Cedric, but you still can't do it on your own. 
You can't be so self-reliant on your ability, your education, your job, even your car to get to work. My hope is that you really understand what I'm trying to say right now because I'm living it, I'm experiencing it. Many of us are so self-reliant or we have the spirit of being self-reliant and we don't even know that we are. When somebody says that something needs to happen, we're not praying about it, we're just doing it. We're going ahead and saying that, hey, I can meet that need because I know what I have in my pocket, I know the time that I have, and God is really wanting us to reorient to say, yes, I have blessed you with the time to do it. I have blessed you with the finances to do it. If you did not have that blessing, you wouldn't be able to meet the need. And so when we are living this out, we have to remember that God wants us to rely on him. And it is extremely hard in this Western culture. It is a part of the culture to say that I can do it. I can meet the need. And to be honest with you, it is a sign of vulnerability in this culture to say that I need anything. I don't want you to be in a situation that you look at me differently because I am in need. But if we are truly living this out as a body of believers, this is what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to be there for each other because we may have needs that the other one can meet. Amen? Amen. I want us to think about that as the blueprint. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This to me is the blueprint to say that he is asking us to come to him with the needs that we have, my family needs, my community needs, maybe somebody needs something on my job. He's asking me to come to him. He wants to know. He wants to meet it. But a part of that says that with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, being grateful for what he has provided for us. The other thing that I want to say is for many of us, we do have surplus in our lives. And some would say that it would almost be hypocritical if we are asking God to meet a need. I'm asking God to meet a need in your life when I have the means to help meet that need. Does that make sense? We have to be willing to step out and think about each other during this time when we are talking about the our father prayer. This is not just the my prayer, my individual prayer. This is our prayer. We're talking about it in the form of community. And so with that, I want to be able to make sure that if there is a need that you have, I can also meet that need. Thirdly, God is interested in your physical needs, but not just your spiritual needs. So remember daily bread, future bread, manna from God. Another way to say this is what good is it if my physical needs are met and I'm a follower of Christ and yet my spiritual needs are not met? Does that make sense to be a believer of Christ to say that I have everything that I need naturally, but I don't spiritually? God is interested in all aspects of your life. 
He wants not only to meet your physical needs, but he also wants to meet your spiritual needs. So I was thinking about this and was trying to think about examples of when, I, when we say spiritual needs, it can almost be nebulous. What are we talking about when we say spiritual needs? Some of the things that came to my mind was defining my self-worth during this culture and then in this area and in this time. Who am I? Where do I get my self-worth from? Meeting my needs of love in all the broken areas of my life. So I know we all look great here and we are suited and booted and everybody looks awesome. But we have brokenness in many areas of our lives. And God also wants to meet that need as well. The hidden needs that many can't see. He's interested in those things. Showing me the true meaning of what success is, not what the world says success is, not what I'm really pushing for, but how does God define success for me, for you? What is actually success? And it is going to be different, which is why we need to ensure that God is able to meet our needs. Ultimately, there are so many more of those needs, so many more that you can think through but I really want us to remember that God is able and he wants to be a part of the solution in meeting not only your physical need, but also your spiritual need. So as I start to close, we can talk to our heavenly father about our needs, our spiritual and our physical needs, but I know that it can seem really hard when we have so much more than we actually need. Living this out day to day, when it is not your number one thing to think about, I need something to eat. Like I said earlier, I'm thinking about what type of food, Rachel, are we going to have today? Not necessarily, are we going to be able to eat today? But even with God's blessing, and that is a blessing, you have experienced a blessing if you are able to do that. Even with that, God is still saying, I need you, I want you to trust me daily for all aspects of your life. And I think that it is just going to, it's going to be not necessarily hard for us to do, but I do think it is, we're going to need to be intentional about thinking about times in our lives and in our way and being able to do it. So one example for me is when Rachel and I talk about what can we have today for food? I want to be able to experience God in a little bit of a different way instead of just saying, hey, I want that, thank God for being able to have that meal. I thank God for the opportunity to go to a job, to make the money, to be able to provide a meal on my table. I thank God to be able to have the mindset to go to a job to make the money to provide meal on my table. I thank God for my health and my strength. I thank God for the community that I have around me when things have gotten tight and we could depend on others to be there for us. This is the type of way that we are going to need to reorient ourselves in really living out this verse of scripture. God wants to ensure, he wants to ensure that we be a part of this time of communion and prayer. But he also wants us to be a part of the solution. And I believe that one of our jobs and one of our responsibilities is to, and hear me when I say this, 
is to be thankful for what we have, but also think more broadly about our needs and thank God for the process in being able to get our needs met. Amen? Amen. That's what I got for you. I appreciate you listening to me. Thank you so much. During this time, we, um, as we leave, we have a prayer available for you here in the auditorium, but also we have prayer online if you are in need of being able to have someone pray and partner with you on having some needs met. Um, being able to ensure that you have bread if you don't, um, I ask you that you come up after the service or log online and there'll be someone there to partner with you in prayer. We also have the MuseCast on Tuesdays where Shauna and Dan goes a little bit deeper into this message. Of course, I didn't have the time um, to go as deep as I wanted to, but there's opportunities where Shauna and Dan goes deeper and really talk about different aspects um, of this, mass, uh, this message. We also have gathering groups. Um, people participating from all over uh, the world uh, to talk about living this scripture, but other things that we're talking about here at Woodland Hills um, out. And then lastly, um, Hero Gates. So uh, for those that have kiddos, we ask that you log on and sign up for next week so we can prepare to have the volunteers that we need. If you don't mind with me, let's pray as we end and leave. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your prayer, your blueprint, your Our Father's Prayer that you have given to us so we can spend more time in communing with you. I pray, Father God, that we understand, we learn, we grow from this message and that we're able to find ways of walking it out in our daily lives. I pray, Father God, that for many of us that um, don't necessarily look at need in the way um, that I said earlier, I pray that you give us the opportunities to see and thank you for meeting and being a part of our lives for the needs that we do have and meeting those needs. Ultimately, Lord, I pray that you continue to challenge us, continue to challenge us, Continue to allow us to see you differently and during our times of prayer so we can be more like you. We can connect with you in a better and different way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone say amen. amen. Thank you so much. Go out and be a blessing to others. <laughs>